Welcome back to the Cold Brew Podcast, back after a one-week hiatus. I'm Dave Gasper, joined, as always, by Matt Carroll. And we are the guys at ReviewingTheBrew.com. There's a lot going on with the Brewers, and they have a pretty comfy lead in the NL Central. So, this week, we're going to start taking a look at the minor leagues, and we're going to be talking specifically about the low-A Carolina Mudcats. And who better to talk about the Carolina Mudcats with than our guest this week, Greg Young, broadcaster and director of media relations for the Carolina Mudcats. Greg, thanks so much, man, for taking the time to join us, man. How you doing? Hey, good. Um, I'm doing great, and thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I look forward to it. Big fan of what you guys do. I, uh, I admit I probably steal some information as much as possible from you guys. So I know what I'm talking about. Try and sound good every once in a while. You guys do a great job in, in covering the team. And it's also good for me because, you know, I mean, I, I am not new to the Brewers organization anymore. I've been around now since 17, I guess, in, in regards to our relationship with the Brewers. But uh, certainly when I was trying to get to know the system and get to know the fan base a little bit, you guys were one of the first places that I looked to try and, you know, get an idea of what it's all about to be a Brewers fan and, and what it means to follow this team. Awesome, man. That's that's great to hear. You know, it's it's the information that that we can provide. You know, just just you know, looking at these uh these prospects, I've been I've been loving on the the Brewers prospects for a while. The system was down for a bit, but but it's getting better, and a lot of those big prospects have been going through Carolina this year. But before we kind of get into the individual ones, um. For the fans that may not be kind of familiar, can you just kind of give us, uh, give the listeners an, an overview really of how the Mudcats are doing this season um, and, and where they kind of are in the standings and if there's some playoff hopes or, or what's going on with them? Yeah, so actually, uh, maybe the, the simplest way to, to put it is uh, a note that I was working on last night for our game notes ahead of the game. It's something I was talking about during the broadcast. This team right now, this 2021 Mudcats team, is on pace to set a franchise record in combined OPS as a team on base, base percentage, slugging, triples, walks, runs, uh, hits. I think we're, we're headed that way too. And this is for a season that's going to be shortened compared to any other year in our, our franchise's history. So, you know, the Mudcats go back to 1991, well, 1988 originally, but 1991 here in North Carolina. And that's when we kind of start when we look at uh, our franchise's history and talk about franchise records and the record book. Uh, and again, this team is on pace to break. Uh, it, it, the, the list is just, it, it keeps going and going. It, it's incredible to think about that in a season where we're going to play 120 games as our you know regular season schedule. We're used to playing more along the lines of 140. Uh, back in the double-A days, you're talking about 144, maybe a little bit more than that. Uh, so to, to, to think that this team is on pace to set the runs record especially is amazing. And I think that's the simplest way to put just what's been going on here. This offense has been incredible since day one. We've had some changes lately. I'm sure a lot of folks have seen the, the first round guys that have been brought to our ball club. So that's new for us and seeing so many recent draftees assigned to the Mudcats, but uh, they haven't slowed down. It's only been a, a week and a half for some of these guys, including Sal Freelich and, and Wes Clark. A couple of days only for others like Ethan Murray, who just arrived here and uh, and, and Alex Benellis. But, uh, you know, going back to the beginning of the season, this offense hasn't slowed down. It's been the league's best offense now for most of the season, especially right now, leading the league and just about everything. It's It's been a lot of fun. And the, the amazing thing about it is, is how deep they are. You know, you look at the lineup day in and day out and, you know, you, you kind of look at who's in there and, and where they're at. And, you know, we've had at times this season, a guy like Joey Weimer batting in the bottom half of the lineup where, you know, right now he's maybe the hottest hitter in, in minor league baseball, right? So, you know, typically a guy that's, you know, hitting in the cleanup spot and that's what he's doing for Wisconsin right now. But, you know, it wasn't that long ago that he was hitting maybe sixth for us, you know, Ernesto Martinez has been the same thing. The guy was put up an OPS over 800 all year, huge favorite. I know for a lot of Brewers fans who follow the system out there, <laughs> but, myself uh, included, I am a yeah, huge, huge Ernesto he's, guy. Oh man. You talk about a, a character and just a, a crazy, <laughs> crazy talented kid, man. He's amazing. But, um, but yeah, you know, that's, that's the thing. And then, you know, Joe Gray Jr. Was there at the middle of the lineup for the first half of the season and put up just unreal numbers in you know, the time that he was here. So that's kind of the gist of it. This offense has been incredible from top to bottom since day one, it hasn't slowed down. It's only getting better. We'll see with the, the newly added players, if that continues, uh, but uh, it's it's been really, really fun. In regard to the standings, we've been in first now for most of the season at this point. Um, we haven't been any lower than second in our division. 
So we have the, the three divisions here in low A East now. We're in the central. We've been in first now, headed down east by as many as I think five or six. Recently, it's dropped down to a game and a half. We're about 500 against them so far this season. So it's been a little tight uh, in that sense. Uh, the two really good teams, you know, really struggling to break away from one another. But beyond that, you know, it's uh, it's been a ball club that's been at the top of the division. And if the season were to end today, they'd be in the playoffs. And we haven't talked playoff baseball here in a very, very long time. So that's that's been fun, too. Um, before we dive into some of these players a little bit, of course, we got to remember that this is the first time, you know, we've had live baseball in a couple of years. So what has it been like for you having the fans back in the stands and having that atmosphere again? Uh, it's been amazing. You know, um, I, I think obviously going through the pandemic and, and the shutdown and losing the 2020 season, I think a lot of us began to kind of take stock in, you know, what it was that we were doing, you know, in baseball, especially, and what it is that we lost out on. And, um, you know, having it back, it was just so great to, to get back into the groove of things. It was kind of like riding the bike, you know, once you got going again, you, you just kind of picked up where you left off. It didn't really feel like you, you missed much, but um, it took a little while to, to get, you know, the, the number of fans we would like to have in the stands back in and, Obviously, we're, we're following everything that we can as far as health and safety protocols to make sure that we do things right. Uh, but the ballpark is at max capacity for the most part now and has been for the past couple of months. And uh, the fans have been great. You know, it's just been great to hear that roar again. And it's different this year. It's it's. I think a lot of people have, have kind of looked at, you know, I, I really miss this and I'm not going to take it for granted anymore. What I have here, that's right down the street, you know, from my, my neighborhood here in town and um, what I get to see day in and day out, you know, when I come to the ballpark and the, the crowds this year have been phenomenal. I mean, I, I, there was a couple of moments this season where I was just stunned at the way that they reacted to, to two players in particular. One was Joe Gray Jr. Right before he was sent to Wisconsin and he had not even been announced to the plate yet. This is the middle of a game on a Saturday or a Sunday and uh, the fans already knew, obviously, that he was coming up. Uh, great baseball fans out here. You know, they look at the board. They know who's going to be on, who's on deck and who's coming up. But even before we announced his name, I mean, this place, it, it wasn't a standing ovation, but it felt like one. Like, it was close. It was on that way that everybody just got up, started getting loud. And, you know, it, we feed off of that, you know, as far as, you know, people upstairs and the, and the production st staff goes, you know. So the PA guy's really into it. He sees that and he gets loud and it's just fun, you know, and, and we, we missed it. Everybody did. And uh, it's, it's great to have back. But the other time that it happened was Joey Weimer right before he went to Wisconsin too, when he had that stretch where he had the couple of walk-offs over his span at three days. And man, when he hit the second one, the, the fans started chanting his name and that's not totally uncommon. You know, that happens every once in a while, but, but not like that. I mean, it was everybody. It was just Joey, Joe, I mean, just everywhere. And it was, <laughs> it was so much fun. And, you know, maybe I'm just hypersensitive to it because we lost that year and then I just noticed it more this season, but I don't recall it being like that before that kind of atmosphere, that electricity and, uh, it's just been great to, to feel that and have that community kind of feel going again, too. It's, it's, it's been amazing and, and just palpable, the, the energy here at the stadium this season. Yeah, I think we've been having something similar in Milwaukee with uh, Rowdy Telez. You know, people going, Rowdy, Rowdy. <laughs> yeah. It's just, it, you just kind of can't help it, you know? Right, when, no. when you get someone like that just coming up, hitting dangers all the time, chantable first name, it, it happens, Perfect. man. And it, yeah, and, and as you mentioned, you know, missing that whole year, I mean, what was it like for you, like being out of the out of the broadcast booth for for a whole year? It's in that time. What what did you kind of do to fill the time there? You know, it actually the the very first uh, major league game that played uh, that was played. You know, finally, I was at home and I didn't sit at home and try and broadcast the game, but I did keep score because I really missed that. You know, I, I love calling baseball games, but beyond that, you know, a big part of that is is keeping score, right, and just having it all laid out sitting down, putting together a lineup, maybe putting in some notes about whatever player, you know, is, is in the lineup. So um, I did keep score a couple of times, uh, especially that first night watching the Brewers and, and uh, here in, in North Carolina and watching them online and everything. And uh, it was, uh, it was great just to kind of look at it from the fans point of view. Once again, um, you know, that part was, was fun too. And certainly missed it, you know, really wanted to get back into it and, I uh, was really glad that the opportunity, you know, arose for me to be able to get back to the office and uh, get going again and obviously to have a season and uh, really just trying to enjoy it as much as possible this year. It's a little different not traveling with the team uh, any longer, but uh, beyond that, it's it's been great just to be around the guys and do the home games and try and do some games on the road remotely and uh, still be involved. So it's a little different this season, but uh, certainly making the best of it that we can. And, and I, it's it's been a great year. 
and certainly a great team to cover. Yeah, and, and hopefully next year you can get back on the road. We need our we need our broadcasters on the road at the, <laughs> um, with the team that they're that they're covering. So uh, hopefully that can happen for you uh, and everyone else in minor league baseball uh, for that matter uh, next year. So let's let's get into some of the prospects now. Um, you guys have had a whole bunch uh, come through the system, um, and you've had quite the pipeline of outfield talents and uh let's start with really kind of the beginning and kind of the big name that started the year joe gray jr he's a second round pick out of high school in 2018 didn't really have super great numbers for a couple of years so no one really kind of knew what to expect from him and then he just exploded just absolutely exploded onto the scene hitting 289 407 632 slugging 15 doubles seven triples, 12 homers, 34 of his 55 hits were for extra bases and was watching Joe Gray day in and day out as amazing as that stat line makes it out to be. (laughs) Uh, Somehow it was even more amazing, honestly, um, because you just, every time he came up, you just knew that something crazy and exciting was going to happen, you know, especially when, we had a series against Kannapolis and you know, the White Sox farm system is down a little bit this year. So that was, it's been a rough go for them this season. And uh, they came here back in, in, in late May. And uh, he had a series here at home against them where he hit two grand slams in, in one series. Uh, so a series runs, of course, six games down on the minors, but uh, you know, you just knew that when he came up, like something incredible was going to happen, especially with the bases loaded, you know, he ended up with the two grand slams with us, but if it wasn't a grand slam, then it was a triple. Like you mentioned, he had a couple of those, uh, in, in just one series alone against Canapolis as well as at, at, at their place, but uh, really, really electric stuff. And uh, the power, I mean, there's no, no doubt that it's, you know, it's there. It's, it's, it's a natural, you know, just power from that right side and very smooth swing, um, uh, very, very fast on the bases. You know, I mean, that's one thing about this team this season is it's been a, a great blend of power and speed. And, and he's kind of the poster child for that. You know, a guy that as soon as he gets on, he's going to do some damage, you know, the threat, the steal, or just to be able to get them in general. But uh, honestly, it, he, we, we've had some really good guys come through here, obviously in recent years, you know, Keston Hira came through here back in, in uh, a few years ago and, and just lit up this league and was just unstoppable. You know, it's been fun, obviously to, to see him continue on and, and have success, you know, maybe not so much this year, but certainly in years past with the Brewers at the big league level. But um, you know, Gray is kind of in that same category, just the way that he dominated this league. It just, that no one could stop him, you know, once he got going and, you know, the biggest thing for him is just being healthy and being available. That That's probably the thing that he would tell you is that um, he missed a lot of games, you know, in his first couple of years as a pro, you know, he's battling through pneumonia, I think his first year. Um, so missed a lot of time just because of that alone. And then obviously trying to build his body back up after that. But uh, he, this season has been an everyday guy and didn't miss any time with us. And it, I mean, beyond the hitting and beyond, you know, the, the power and the speed, he's a five tool guy, you know, I mean, he may not be hitting over 300 right now, but he's definitely got that hit tool, you know, into to what he does. And he's also a fantastic outfielder and he really dedicated himself in his past off season or coming through 2020 and missing a year to, to really concentrating on that. And, and he's also a guy that, uh, is very, very intense, very, very passionate about getting things right at all times. And when he makes a mistake, he's, you could tell that it, it wears on him, but it's not to a point where it, it's going to stop him or slow him down. It's just, he's, you know, shows that he knows that he messed up and he's going to make sure that that doesn't happen again. And, and I could think of, there was one other player that I've seen that was like that, where you could tell that no matter what they did on the field, they were giving it their best at all times. And when something didn't go right, they, you know, were visibly upset with themselves. And that was Corbin Burns. I've never seen a player more intense than, than Burns as a pitcher here. And uh, it, that, that kind of fire and that kind of passion is something I think that Gray has too. And it, it's going to be really fun to see what he does because, you know, I think he's a guy, like you said, that was kind of forgotten about a little bit. And now suddenly, you know, as far as those ranking guides go, flies to the top of the list. I mean, he's, he's a guy to, to watch, no doubt. Yeah. And yeah. That Corbin Burns intensity, yeah, that, that's a pretty good comp there. <laughs> and now we're seeing it. We're seeing the the fruits of that intensity uh, this season. So so you got to watch Burns down there in Carolina. What are your thoughts on his dominance uh, that, that he's been having this year? 
Well, you know, just solely based on what we saw in 17, the guy that, uh, you know, carried himself, obviously thought very highly of what to expect out of himself. Right. And so, like I said, if, if you could, if there was something, he missed a pitch, he left one up and, you know, was upset about it. He wasn't afraid to show that he was upset about it. Like it bothered him. And and I think that that's, you know, sometimes a good thing to, to, to have, you know, with what you do. And uh, he t- obviously takes a lot of pride in, in being good and, and carrying himself to that, that, that higher level and, and expecting that of himself. And uh, so in that sense, um, it's probably not a good thing to say that it was no surprise because I think it, he was always going to rebound after what happened to him in, in 2019, but, you know, it was just a matter of uh, how far could that go? What would that really look like? And to say that, anyone expected what he's doing now. I, I don't think that anybody thought that, I mean, honestly, right. I mean, you know, he was a guy that, you know, baseball America probably had in the, the mid range in the top 30 and what have you. And now suddenly, I mean, here he is, he could be the Cy Young award and I it not even could be probably is the Cy Young yeah. award winner at this point this season. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's just been unreal. You know, I mean, it, 10 consecutive strikeouts against the Cubs. I mean, a no hitter into the sixth inning, his last outing against the Cardinals. I mean, the guy is just, he's, he's just filthy. And, but it's that fire, I think that separates him. Honestly, it's just, he, he's got that edge to him and he expects it out of himself and and he's just running with it right now. And great guy too. You know I mean? Just a great guy to talk to very honest with, you know, his approach to what he does day in and day out. And I talked to him a little bit in spring training when I got a chance to go out there and in 2019, and he was very honest about, you know, trying to, to, to build off of what he did, you know, his first year, you know, going up and, getting the opportunity to pitch out of the bullpen and what that meant, but he was struggling at the time, even in spring training. So he was honest about that. And, uh, but uh, yeah, really, really great guy and uh, really happy to see him succeed because he wasn't here long, but you know, we certainly remember what he did here. And, and the same was also true for Freddie Peralta. Just the, the time that he was here, he was fantastic. And it's great to see both of them and all of these guys succeed at the next level. Um, back with gray, you mentioned, Again, you know, great all-around player, you know, 12 home runs, 12 steals to go along with that. His seven triples still lead all of uh, low A, which is kind of amazing how much he put together in a short time. Um, Mentioned that he's good in the field. Is is there any specific aspect of his game that kind of impresses you the most about him? Uh, Well, the power and speed combo, first and foremost. You know, we've we've had some guys put together that uh, kind of 2020 type season. Um, in recent years, thinking about Monte Harrison, Troy Stokes Jr. were a couple of guys that, that put together like that, uh, years like that with us in Wisconsin back in 2017. And uh, but that that's the kind of thing I think that separates, you know, uh, a player like Gray from others is that, you know, he has that just it's just natural to him, that ability to to hit for power. And then when he does, when he misses it, you know, the rare chance that he does, he's going to stretch it into a hustle double. You know, he's he's got that that fire to him. And I think that's one of the things he's also just got a, a very um matured I guess outlook on on where he is in his career right now um and what to expect out of himself um and then also making sure that he holds himself accountable I think that was something that he said and when I talked to him about 2020 is that the hardest thing that he had was his rhythm his routine of playing baseball in the summer was totally interrupted obviously like it was for everybody and the most important thing for him was to hold himself accountable by forcing himself to go to the ballpark every day and play in you know live ab situations with other players in in mississippi where he's from and they built kind of a network of guys with you know pro ball experience that were looking to stay in shape and, and and stay active in 2020 and they would get together and play and he said that was the most important thing was just mentally keeping yourself accountable and they did that by playing with one another but to have that sort of I guess mindset going into the 2020 and getting through 2020 and coming into this season of making sure that you hold yourself to um you know that uh those expectations just on your own without you know added influences trying to coach you up just making sure that you're doing what you know you need to do in order to succeed and you know he's he's got a a great way about him in that sense too he, he I think he knows he knows deep down who he is and what he can be as a baseball player. And he's making sure this season in particular, that he's keeping himself down that, that road and keeping himself on it. And uh, a lot of that is, is really impressive. And again, it's, it's, it's on him and, and he's, he's doing a great job with it. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say he's, he's doing pretty well, uh, earned himself a promotion to high Wisconsin uh, and has been lighting it up there as well. Uh, but after he left, there's it's like, hey, maybe there's a little bit of a void in the stud outfielder spot in Carolina. <laughs> and manager Joe Irald's like, hey, who's going to fill this void? 
And Joey Weimer raises his hand and goes, I'll do it. And Joey Weimer did it. I mean, what he has done over the past like few weeks and specifically over like the final like week or two in Carolina was just insane. Like he seemed to be having just like, you know, a solid, okay season, nothing special. And then all of a sudden just caught fire. His final four games in Carolina, 12 for 18, four home runs, two of them walk-offs, 12 RBIs, three walks, a 2.159 OPS. That's video game cheat code numbers. Like, what was happening there? Well, so the thing about Joey Weimer is that he puts up video video game cheat code numbers with your advanced analytics, your exit velocity, your estimated home run distance, all that kind of stuff. This kid is incredibly strong. I mean, he he has big league power right now. And I I'm not kidding. I mean, it is it is there and he is tapped into it. And it's just it was just a matter of time before he began to make the contact that he's making now to make sure that the ball would take off the way that it is, because the power's always been there. When we when we heard about this team, you know, we were told going into it that these guys are going to hit for power like this is going to be a slugging team. They're going to hit bombs like it. I mean, the, the numbers that they put up on the track, man, are just crazy. And he is number one in that regard. He swings harder than any player I've ever seen. And I, I mean, I've been doing minor league baseball now or in the minors since 2007. And I've never seen a guy with that kind of bat speed. And again, it was just a matter of time. Once he got going, once he started making more consistent contact and uh, certainly wasn't striking out as much. And that's one of the things I think he's cut back on of late is the strikeouts. But once he got through that, it was just going to be, you know, the, the numbers would speak for themselves. And they are right now. He is, again, big league power now. And you talk about a fun and exciting guy to watch. I mean, he's he's got the he's the full package. He's got the speed. Uh, he's got the power. He's a guy that uh, he also plays a, an outstanding outfield. He was leading this league in outfield assists when he left. He had 12 before he went up. The Mudcats alone have, I think, 29 on the year now. So, I mean, he, he, and he's almost like, it's like watching a shortstop play in the outfield, honestly, with how fast his hands are. Uh, you know, there are times when, you know, the fans, like I said, they would cheer his name after hitting the walk-offs and all of that. And they obviously would cheer for him. He was a, a fan favorite before he left, huge fan favorite. Uh, but uh it was the oohs and ahs that struck me when he was playing in the outfield, when he would show off his arm, how good an arm that he has, but then also how fast he is in getting the ball from the glove to the bare hand to get rid of it. It was honestly like watching a shortstop turn a double play. Sometimes he'd get a ball, get rid of it. And boom, it was gone. Just really, really impressive stuff. And uh, fantastic ball player who, again, the tools are all there and they're ready. Now it's just a matter of the yeah, at bats, the mental side of it, maybe not to say that that's a bad thing or that he's not ready yet there too, but you know, all, all these guys have to get the, the work in to get to the big leagues. And he's the package. I mean, he's he's ready in, in regard to the, the physical attributes. It's just the other stuff, maybe a little more seasoning to get him there. Yeah, I like uh, love that you mentioned um, the defensive prowess with him, you know, having that um, former kind of pitcher background that he had. Um, do you see um corner outfielder center fielder you know anything particular in his future possibly no not necessarily I mean he played mostly right field with us uh because okay. Joe Gray Jr. was playing in center field and I mean he was just as good in right as he was in center we, we just hadn't seen him a lot in center field so I couldn't say what side maybe is better or what spot is better for him but uh, but that's only because of really just the, the structure of the outfield and, and who we had um, gray, I think was more of a natural center fielder. And then Weimer, his corner play in right field was, was really good. He only played in left field a couple of times, um, had an outfield assist in left field for whatever that's worth. Uh, so, uh, wasn't out there much, but he, he did end up getting one of those, but, you know, we also had a situation where in left field this season, we've, we've tried to find a way we manager a Ralt's trying to find a way to build his lineup to where he's keeping Noah Campbell in the lineup every day. And, uh, left field has been a spot that Campbell's played well. Um, I think he's more naturally probably an infielder, Noah Campbell, but he's played in left field a lot. So really the outfield's kind of been structured in that sense where just out of need and out of best fit, Weimer's played in right more than the other spots. So I couldn't say otherwise, but uh, I mean, he, I, I don't think he'd have any issue playing anywhere out there. Uh, he's, he's just a really gifted athlete and, uh, and yeah, I mean, very, very, very impressive stuff all year long for him. 
Yeah, and, and if he's got that many outfield assists and that strong of an arm, uh, he he would be able to play right field, I would imagine. Yeah. And if he keeps hitting homers like that, he's got the offensive profile to to be in a corner as well. Yeah. Um, so then uh, Weimer gets promoted. You get you guys, you know, fall in love with these stud outfielders, then they end up getting promoted. And it's like, oh well, now what? Here here comes the first round pick. Then Sal Freelich, he comes up, um, and in about a week so far, he's hitting like four hundred. Had a five hit game already. I mean, you know, no big deal, nothing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he hasn't been here long, uh, but it's it's been crazy impressive to, to see what he does. I mean, this is a guy that. For me, uh, Nick Madrigal, I think, is, is a pretty good kind of comp to look at. We had a chance to see him play against the Mudcats with the Winston-Salem Dash, and he was a guy that it just seemed like never swung and missed, right? Balls rarely got by him. And from Freelick, from what we've seen so far, same kind of contact hitter, just uh, doesn't miss and sprays line drives all over. Had a five-hit game in his first game with us uh, on Tuesday night. Uh, he's hit safely, I think, in now six in a row, as we, we talk here, hitting close to 400 in the – in this league alone. And then overall, just as a pro, I mean, already up there in, in that regard, average wise. And, uh, yeah. Fantastic uh, ball player, certainly. And uh, I think what MLB pipeline has him as a top 100 prospect right now in, yep. in minor league baseball. I mean, that's, that's high praise and already the number three prospect, I think, according to baseball America in this system, I mean, that's uh, it's really, really impressive. And it, it's well, well, well-deserved and well-earned because he, he certainly looks like the, the real deal. You know, he is, he has been every bit as, uh, as impressive as any one of the other guys we've seen so far. And, and now I just wonder how long he's going to be here. You know, <laughs> Hopefully we get to keep him around for a little while, but man, with the way that we're, that, that the Brewers are moving players right now, um, you just, uh, you just don't know, but uh, a lot of that's going to be probably on need at the, the upper levels, you know, probably depends on what Garrett Mitchell does or even a Weimer or a gray in Wisconsin. If it, you know, a move maybe comes up there, maybe we see him go up, but we'll be happy to keep him here as long as possible. Because again, we're, we got playoff aspirations and he could be a big piece of the puzzle. And he is, uh, he would definitely be a, a, a key factor in, in helping us get there. Um, what do you get a sense out of him for as to like his personality? I think that's something that you know, Brewers fans haven't gotten to see a whole lot because all we've gotten to this point is just a couple interviews, you know, and then he was off getting ready to play. So um, what do you yeah. get a sense of just him as a person? You know, it, it's been tough. I, I will say just first and foremost for this season in general, for me with interviews, it's been a little bit harder than, than in years mm -hmm. past. Um, but, you know, in, in being around the, the cage a little bit and, and that kind of thing, um, well, we've only taken batting practice once uh, since, since, uh, <laughs> since he's been here, at least. Uh, as far as home games are concerned. So I couldn't say, you know, yet maybe, but uh, definitely as a guy that carries himself, you know, as a, he's a pro's pro, you know, just, uh, just in, in kind of looking from afar so far. Um, but, uh, you know, a guy who I think knows what's expected of him, what he can do. And, um, you know, I, I, I think right now he and probably some of the other new arrivals, including an Ethan Murray or even a Wes Clark who got here the, the same time that Freelick did, they, they joined the team on the road in Kinson against the, uh, the Wood Ducks. Um, but uh, I think still probably trying to get to know some of these, these guys that they're, they're playing with now, you know, we, we had a group that had been together for a lot of say 2019 um, even into 2020. Then obviously at the complex in 2021 to start this season, but all these, these newly drafted players, I mean, this is uh, it's, it's a lot of work for them. I think to get an idea of who they're out there with and trying to, to see where they fit in and, and how all that kind of works out. So um, I, I wouldn't be able to say, I, I think it would be disingenuous for me to try and give you kind of a, a breakdown of, of him so far, but, um, just from looking from afar, a guy who really carries himself is, uh, you know, he's, he's a first rounder for a reason. And I think he, he understands what that means and, uh, carries himself to that, uh, uh, to that standard, if you will. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very great to hear uh, about the, the Brewers first round pick. Let's move to, uh, some of the stars in the infield now. I'm going to, I want to talk about one of my favorite guys uh, in this entire system, Ernesto Martinez. He is so much fun. Six foot six, 230 pounds, seems as goofy as can be. Like he, the way he runs is just funny to me. I, I don't, I don't know. Um, his home runs, just the bat drop, just like out of his hands, just look fantastic. I saw he's on the IL now. I didn't see exactly what uh what was going on with that, but I mean he's drawn walks. He's hitting like 270, which for a big guy with power, you wouldn't really expect that. 
And then he's he's like leading the team in stolen bases. He's got like 27. What's going on here? So, uh, well, he's off the IL now as of last night, officially. Uh, So, yes, he is back. I don't know if he's in the lineup uh, for tonight, but uh, should find out soon. But uh, we'll expect to see him back out there. Uh, Goofy is one way to put it. I would just say fun (laughs) is probably the better way to put it. I mean, he is he's a big kid and he uh, he's always laughing. He's always smiling. And uh, I have had a chance to talk to him a few times, uh, a bunch of times, actually. Um, he always comes up and says hi when I'm around the cage and, uh, really, really good kid. And, um, you talk about like just exciting and you just never know what you're going to see. I mean, he, like you said, running the bases, it, it doesn't always look the same as, you know, some of the other guys, it doesn't look as clean and as fluid, but it works. And, uh, you know, manager Errol challenged him this season to get at least 10 stolen bases. He said, you know, physically you've got the the ability to do that you know why aren't you stealing more bags and the goal was 10 the the number was probably higher between the two of them but the the goal that they settled on was 10 but the idea was probably more along the lines of 20 ish just unofficially and he surpassed that and i mean when he's on base he does damage there was right before he went on the il uh he had a series in a span of two weeks where in three different games he had stolen second base after reaching on a walk or a single, whatever it might have been. Then went on to, after stealing second base, went on to steal third. And then three times in a span of two weeks, they either tried to catch him at third or the catcher trying to catch him stealing and they threw it away. Or the pitcher tried to catch him trying to take third and threw the ball away. And he ends up scoring. So you talk about a guy that, you know, it was like a walking triple. Well, he's kind of that, but then sometimes a walking home run, just in the sense that once he's on, he's going to go and no one has stopped him yet. Um, but as, as amazing as he has been on the bases, the power is just, and I mean, I know that I'm probably talking up these guys more than, uh, than, than I probably should. It's probably not fair to them to to talk out and talk about these guys with these crazy numbers of what have you, but man, Ernesto Martinez is one of the strongest guys I've ever seen. And that dude, when he hits when he makes contact, it doesn't always look the same as a Joey Weimer. It doesn't have that, uh, that soaring majestic kind of carry to it. Sometimes doesn't usually the lights. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. It may not hit the light tower. It's only because it doesn't go up as high. He hits like line drives. that just don't stop until they hit something. And usually when they hit something, it's on the other side of the wall, uh, off the visiting clubhouse or, off of the, the giant towers that we have with signs behind the wall, something to that extent. I mean, he absolutely destroys baseballs and uh, it the swing is, is different. I don't know how to describe it exactly. Uh, it's not again, as smooth as a, as a Weimer or a gray or some others, but man, it's a, uh, it is uh, it's, it's really, really fun to see. Um, we're going to go from one of David's favorite guys to one of my favorite guys. Um, uh, 2020 third rounder Xavier Warren um, more of an on-base guy than a power guy although he does have double digit home runs this year um, yeah. I was interested to see that um, he didn't play a lot of catcher in college but they drafted him specifically as a catcher um, right. but he's been playing a little bit all around this year it looks like um, has that been by design uh, do they have a specific plan for him kind of um, I guess what's the deal with him this year yeah, uh, that's probably at him playing different positions, at least for the Mudcats, was by uh, necessity. Um, okay. He, uh, you know, was catching originally, and, and I did talk to him about that early on. He said that the idea was that he was going to catch. He was going to be the primary catcher out of the three that we had, so he was going to log more innings and some of the others, Alex Hall and, and, and Darian Miller. But um, we had some injury situations pop up where we needed him to play different spots and he ended up playing a really good first. So he was plugged in at first, played a really good third would move in over there too. So I don't know what the plan is for him in Wisconsin right now, but I know that that's at least the plan originally was for him to catch uh, more often than some of the others, but get out there and play a lot as the DH as well and uh, fill in as needed. And it just ended up being that we had some more need in the infield probably than they, than they expected going into the season. But uh, you know, he, I, I think the plan is probably still for him to be a catcher. There's still some work I think that he needs to do probably in order to to succeed at the at the higher levels in that regard. But uh, it uh, the the tools are definitely there. I mean, he's tremendous athlete, great hands, and uh, was a pretty good ball blocker. Um, we've given up a lot of steals this season. He wasn't the only one that was given up steals. We've given up more steals than any other team in minor league baseball. I think more of that has to do with our level than it does with uh, the catchers themselves. 
um, at low A East and in low A in general with the, the pickoff rule, it's, it's been disastrous for catchers and trying to, to hold runners and, and catch runners and pitchers trying to hold runners. It's been really, really tough. This league has been really bad in catching runners in general, but uh, our team in particular has struggled in that sense. And uh, it, so um, I wouldn't, if you're looking to evaluate him in that regard, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock into that because again, it's across the league and it's, uh, it's pretty prevalent. So I uh, wouldn't put too much uh, wait into that if, if I was a fan looking at what he did this season, but uh, would expect him to get back out there and, and probably catch some more in the future and continue to build because, uh, again, tremendous athlete. And it's uh, obviously some good attributes to have behind the plate. Yeah, very, very exciting uh, player and kind of good for him to, to get that opportunity uh, moving on up. More guys that uh, you've had in the field that uh, have been moving up lately, Felix Valerio and Gabe Holt. Gabe Holt going all the way up to double-A Biloxi um, with a friend of the podcast, Garrett Green, hanging out over there, uh, and Valerio moving up to high-A Wisconsin. Valerio has quietly had a really, really good season. I mean, you look at his numbers, hitting 314 with a 430 on-base percentage and a 900 OPS with Carolina. Doesn't have the big power, just six home runs. But 24 doubles, that leads the team, if I'm not mistaken, by plenty. Yeah. Um, more walks than strikeouts, 27 stolen bases. I mean, Valerio just seems like a spark plug. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, he uh, he told me that Jose Altuve is a guy that he tries to to really emulate, I guess, or looks up to as a person to, to try and, uh, you know, hold himself as, a, as far as a template is concerned, if you will. And uh, the, the comparisons, I think, are, are pretty solid. You know, he's, he's not very tall. So like Altuve is a little bit on the shorter side, but uh, does hit for power, uh, hits a lot of line drives, doesn't swing and miss much. You mentioned Gabe Holt and, and uh, in Valerio. You know, those two guys were tops in this league and in, in lowest strikeout percentage and also, you know, walks per strikeouts as well, that, that ratio. So, um, you know, two guys that don't swing and miss much. Uh, neither one struck out more than two times, uh, I think, this entire year with us or. Holt, I think, struck out three times once. One time, I think it was. Valerio didn't strike out more than two times with us the entire year. Uh, you know, and, and he's a guy, too, that you talk about this season maybe being a little bit underrated in his hit tool. I think that it's also true in his career because he's been a career 300 hitter, you know, going back to his time in, in the Mets system. Um, but uh, a, a guy that, uh, you know, the hit tool is definitely there. Um, I, I would guess that uh, his position is probably second base. He, he says that's his favorite spot to play. I think they want to see what he can do at third and at shortstop, but second base is probably where he's going to land, you know, as he continues to go up. Holt might be a little more versatile than that. He's a guy that can play third and second. He's uh, got a really good arm from, from either spot. Um, but uh, both guys, I, I think, very similar in that uh, they just they don't swing and miss much at all, and they make great contact. Uh, Holt, in particular, probably not a guy you're going to see a whole lot of power from, but the power's there. It's just his swing is more of a just put it in play, kind of quick hands, straight uh, straight to the, the ball, not a whole lot of um, you know extra movement in that swing, I guess. Uh, but he, he was really fun to watch, and uh, no surprise that he went all the way to double A just because – you know, he's uh, that hit tool is is pretty solid. And he, he when he when he gets on and makes contact, he does some damage. He was leading this league in runs and uh, pretty much all year long. And for good reason, uh, he's he's had a really good year and, and good for both of them. You know, we're happy to see all these guys move up. But those guys in particular, they, they really worked hard to to get the work in and, and get up to the to the next level. Yeah, I was I was waiting on promotions for some of them. It's like, you know, like these guys are doing so well. Like, why are they not moving up? And yeah. Um, yeah. And for Valerio there, if he can get that versatility, I mean, that, that would certainly help him at the big league level, especially knowing what Craig Council uh, likes to do with his infielders and uh, moving guys like that around. But yeah, um, yeah, plenty of uh, offensive potential with those guys. And the Keon Broxton trade with the Mets just keeps on giving. Thanks a lot, Brody Van Wagenen. <laughs> I don't know how they got this return for for Keon Braxton, but I'm fine with it. I, I think it's yeah. uh, it's turning out pretty well. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and that's one thing that uh, you know the, the trades that the Brewers have made have, have obviously worked out well in, in a lot of different ways. You think back to the one that brought Freddie Peralta to the system, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, it's these guys that they find very early in their careers, and uh, they bring them right in and, and develop them and. I don't know what it is and who in particular is, is finding these guys, the scouts that are out there, but they're, they're doing a great job. And uh, you got to give them a lot of credit for finding these guys and uh, getting them into the system, finding guys that fit the system and seeing something maybe that the, the other organizations didn't see just yet. 
and continue to see them, you know, climb like this is, it's been a lot of fun. Sorry about that. All right. Um, so I think we've touched on quite a bit of the hitters. Uh, I think maybe we jump onto the mound now, David, what do you think? Um, unless, Unless we want to talk a little Freddie Zamora, I don't think we've talked Zamora at all. Okay, yet. that's true. Yeah, we, we can hit we can hit Zamora and then we'll then we'll head to the mound. So okay. Zamora, second round pick, shortstop out of Miami um, in 2020. Um, he's the last of the 2020 draft picks to um, get the move out of Low A, uh, but he's been. It looks like he's been hitting a lot better lately and has been having a pretty solid season overall. Yeah, uh, I'm really impressed with uh, with Freddie Zamora. Honestly, um, you know we've we've seen some good shortstops come through. Bryce Strang, in, in particular, was was here just uh, not a whole long a uh, lot of time, but uh, was really good when he was here. Um, you know, the, the tools are definitely there with him, no doubt about that. But Zamora, to me, just really polished, and uh, I, obviously, I think probably ahead of this level at this point. But it is his first pro year, so I think they're being cautious as far as really pushing him um, to see what he can do at the, the, the next level. Uh, but uh, you, you talk about a guy that carries himself as a leader in the field, carries himself as a leader in the dugout the clubhouse. He is definitely one of those guys. You know, he's he's got that uh, that that big time college program background to him, I think, you know, playing at Miami. Um, but uh, and that's true for a lot of the guys, especially the guys that we just got. But uh, for him in particular, coming into this season, uh, a guy that I think just uh, really sort of took the leadership role on his own and, and carried it forward, you know, and. Uh, plays a great shortstop. He's really smooth. And, you know, he makes a lot of the more difficult plays look fairly easy. Uh, takes good routes to balls. Uh, always seems to be in the right place at the right time. Um, very smart in thinking to uh, thinking ahead, I think, sometimes, you know, rather than sort of reacting to what's in front of him, kind of anticipating what might be coming up next. And some examples of that would just be his ability to, to uh, on relay throws this season, knowing where runners were behind him, you know, as he's taking it a ball from the outfield and positioning himself near second to relay a ball into the plate, uh, knowing where he needs to go with it, whether it be to, to back pick a guy over a third, to throw behind a runner or go ahead to the home plate. I know those are all things that every infielder is doing, every shortstop, second baseman, third baseman, whoever is doing, but uh, there's something different about the way that he does it sometimes that he is one step ahead, if you will. And uh, I've been really impressed. I think he had a, a little bit of an issue at times making the easy throws, uh, maybe rushing himself or whatever it might be. But that's way behind him now because he is it's been a while since he's made a rough one here at home that I've seen. And uh, hit wise, you know, the power is developing more and more. He did spend some time on the IL back in May. Um, it looked like he had a hard time snapping back to, to get back into the, the shape again a little bit early on because of it. But uh, ever since, you know, especially in August, He's been one of the league's top hitters and uh, beginning to hit the ball with more and more authority. Uh, first time he had a home run as a pro, he had two home runs in one game. So it's coming in bunches a little bit for him. And uh, but he's, he's definitely got it rolling now. And uh, you talk about a guy that's, you know, we lose Valerio and uh, Weimer goes up and, and obviously Gray's been gone for a while. But he's uh, he's occupying the middle of the lineup right now. And it's well deserved because, you know, he's putting up the numbers to, to prove that he belongs in that spot to be a big time run producer. And he's been doing a big, a, a great job of that here lately. Um, I know he didn't come through Carolina at any point cause he was uh, farther back, but do we have any possibility of an Orlando Arcia comp with Zamora's defense, or is he more of a less kind of less flashy, more just like uh, regularly solid defensively? The latter, I think, okay. um, you know, it's, it's uh it, it's more of a make the hard plays look easy, um, but do all the little stuff right to where you don't even notice it, you know. Um, but it's just a great feel for shortstop, I think. And uh, I know that they're really happy with what he's done defensively. And, uh, you know, the guys, the Rovers that come through and certainly the skipper, uh, really happy with the way that he's been playing, you know, all year long. I, I, and again, I didn't see Arcia. That'd be a better question for, uh, for manager Ayrault. He had Arcia when he was at uh, Brevard County, I think. So I don't know. I'll ask him about that. See if there's a comp that, uh, that he has for, uh, for Freddie. Yeah. And you know, if, if he put up that solid defense, then uh, looking to get uh, at that shortstop spot. So as, as Matt mentioned, let's try to over to the mound a little bit now. And probably one of the more exciting names on this pitching staff is Abner Uribe. That dude throws pure gasoline. <laughs> 103 104 miles an hour or something like that um but 
He's got an ERA over four. Um, I, I know, I think I also saw he's on the IL right now. Um, it seems like he's got 104 mile an hour fastball with not much control of it and not really much else for a secondary pitch. Is that an accurate assessment you would say? Um, I think he does have a really good feel with what, he, what he's doing with the fastball. Um, I didn't see any kind of wildness, I guess, out of him. Um, and really his ERA ballooned really because of one outing to be you know, totally honest. He had a, a rough one against Kannapolis and there were some extra things beyond just the, the play of that game that were going on that night. There was an issue with, he missed inside on a player and the, the bench is cleared because of it, because the, oh. the, the batter took exception to it. And I don't know if there was history involved between those two in particular or what it was. It sparked all of that, but he wasn't the same. Um, once that happened, it, nothing occurred as far as an altercation is concerned, just the bench is cleared some talking, everybody calmed down eventually, but he had a, a rough outing, gave up a home run uh, shortly thereafter at three run shots. I think it was. And so it was kind of a rough night, but beyond that, uh, he's been great all year. I think one of the things that uh, maybe helped contribute to his ERA getting a little bit up this season was just uh, being a little more injured probably than um, anyone really understood. Um, I'm not sure that he's going to come back to us. I don't know what the particular injury is, and uh, I, I'm not sure that um, I'll find out anytime soon, to be honest. But uh, I do know that he's he was a little more banged up probably than, than we thought going into the year. Um, so he was battling, battling through some stuff there, but also the, the role in which he was playing. And so they would use him, obviously, at the back end of the bullpen. Um, but also sometimes a starter um, or an opener, if you will, just to see what he had there. So I think, uh, you know, trying to figure out the role in the game, how to prepare for that. And those adjustments probably are a little bit tough at times. But uh, like our skipper, you know, says often, he's got a golden arm. And I mean, you talk about it's it's 103 sometimes with ease. <laughs> it's yeah. it's it's brilliant <laughs> to watch. Um, but he, he is developing a secondary pitch. I, I think he's still working on it. I think he was really, really working on it hard this season in particular, probably a little bit too much from time to time. He's been working on a slider that uh, looks devastating, mm -hmm. certainly in, in regards to the difference in velocity, the way that it moves. But, um, you know, it's something that's st still in development. But uh, he's a guy that. Uh, with that fastball and how effortless it looks like that he's able to, to get it across in the, in the triple digits. And it's with triple digits a lot. I mean, consistently up around 99 and 100 pretty easily. Um, you know, he's got it. It's going to move quick. It's just a matter, I think, of, you know, we'll, we'll see what he does coming up this fall. Maybe he gets a chance to pitch in the fall league or something like that to get some extra work in. Um, but uh, just an incredible talent. And just a matter of time is, is really all it's going to take for him, I would guess. Yeah, I mean, when you throw 103, it's like if you can just, you know, hone in around the strike zone. I mean, guys might, you know, they'll probably chase whatever because they'll just, you know, it's so fast. I got no time to think. And, yeah, just get a slider or something. I mean, the Brewers seem to have quite the history with the developing sliders for some of these guys. Jake Cousins, Justin Topa, and just turning these guys out and just throwing wicked sliders um, and turning turn them into just really strong relief arms. Yeah. Yeah, it, uh, you know, we, we've seen a lot of those guys come through, you know, the, the, the Justin Topas, you know, that uh, Devin Williams in particular was here, too. Um, he was in a situation where he was uh, uh, still coming back from injury, so very limited in what he could do. But, uh, you know, obviously what he was working on was was uh, what has led to his success in the, uh, the big leagues at this point. But, um, you know, I'm even thinking of, of, of a guy like Phil Bickford. I know he's in the Dodgers system now and playing with L.A., but he was a guy, too, that I think was – you know, kind of a lab rat and, you know, they would really sit down and, and really analyze what he was doing. And um, it's, it's been interesting to see how they've developed pitching here and a uh, huge emphasis on the, the advanced analytics and, you know, our pitching coach Carson Cross this season is really big into that stuff has a very good handle for it. Um, and then the pitching coordinator in the system, Cam Castro was with us as a pitching coach in 2019. And, um, you know, he's, he's as brilliant as it gets when it comes to the analyzing the stuff and, and, really kind of honing in on what works, you know, for each individual guy, um, the slots that they need to hit as far as where they're going in the zone and tunneling pitches and, and that sort of thing. Really, really a brilliant guy. And that's a name I think that, you know, Brewers fans out there may want to, to continue to watch is Cam Castro to see what he does as far as developing these guys. Very, very young in his career as a coach, but I mean, he went from pitching coach to us to pitching coordinator in the system. That's a big jump and he well-deserved. Um, and uh, it was great working with him in 2019. It's been great working with Carson Cross, too, this season in, in 2021, the, the pitching coach here. Um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about, and I know you only had him for a few games, uh, Justin Bullock. 
Um, he started with you guys early. He's moved all the way up to double A since then, because um, after leaving Carolina, he impressed at Wisconsin. But in those four yeah. starts well, uh, with you guys, um, only gave up three earned runs and held batters to a 141 average, 27 strikeouts to just five whole walks. Um, what did you see out of him early that impressed? Just a, a lot of fastballs, overpowering fastballs, pitching up in the zone a lot too. You know, I think he's a guy that has found what works for him. You know, you talk about diving into the deep analytics stuff and trying to see um, where his stuff plays best, where it is that he gets the most swing throughs. And he was living at the top of the zone, but it was working for him. And we didn't get a chance to see him a lot here at home, which is unfortunate because he's he's from our area over uh, just a little north of Durham. But, um, you know, he was one of the three local guys that we had at the start of the season, but uh, pitched a lot on the road for us. So I didn't get a chance to see him maybe in particular as much as I would like in that sense. But uh, from what we saw, uh, really overpowering fastball that may not be, you know, Abner Uribe like, but uh, certainly plays well and works, you know, obviously with what he's doing. Um, he was a little more advanced in age, I guess, or experience, I should say, not so much age as he was a high school pick. So I think that's led into him getting an opportunity to, to move quickly in the system. Um, but certainly they, they see something that, uh, you know, there's some, a lot of swing and miss with his fastball and with his breaking stuff and his curveball. So, uh, I think that's one of the reasons why he's had an opportunity to, to move so quickly and just to see what, what they have still and what they have in him and, and, uh, you know, continuing to challenge him and he's, he's lived up to it. He's been up to the task for sure. Yeah. And the, the last Brewers pitcher I recall that, uh, moved through three levels, uh, in the system in one season was Drew Rasmussen. Um, mm -hmm. who obviously electric fastball, electric yeah. stuff, dominant uh, outings um, since traded to the Rays for Willie Adamas. But that has worked out, I think, fairly well so far. Just a little bit. <laughs> it, it's worked out okay. Um, but yeah, like that that's something that, you know, if you move up three levels in a system within one year, I mean, that the organi organization thinks extremely highly of you. Uh, if they're going to be doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and, and, and a lot of it is, you know, they're, they're looking at it from the sense of, I probably misspoke to say that, you know, Bullock moves a little bit quicker because he was a high school pick and, and just experience wise had the opportunity maybe to, to move up a little bit faster. I think it's more probably just what they see in the advanced analytics. You know, they're, they're analyzing what these guys do with, with their, 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 their pitches and, where they're, what works best. And if they see something like that fastball, like Rasmussen had, and you know, you get a chance to see what that can do at the next level, then there's no reason to, to wait. You know, TJ Shook might be a guy to keep an eye on too, because he was a guy that was with us at the beginning of the year, had an injury, uh, missed some time. But when he came back, picked up right where he left off, really good swing and miss stuff. Uh, nothing too flashy that I saw, not like a, a Rasmussen fastball or a Uribe fastball, but like Bullock, it works. And uh, they've challenged him now to go up to Wisconsin. So that might be another one to, to keep an eye on because, you know, he was signed just in 2020, you know, the college kid out of South Carolina. So um, a guy who is already probably advanced a little bit, but um, coming into the low A certainly with what we've seen this year, but um, really, really good stuff. And a guy that also ate up some innings, which we haven't seen a lot of, you know, a lot of the starters, it's been four or five innings usually. It's rare that we have a guy go six, it's certainly rare that we get a seven inning outing like we got out of Zach Mort last night. But um, it's uh, Shook was a guy that was out there that you knew was going to give you some good quality innings each night that he went out. And uh, I would say keep an eye on, on, on him. But again, I think a lot of it is just let's see what your fastball does. How does it play? What do the analytics tell us about that? And then what do you have to go with it? And I think when they find that combo that, that works well together and they're seeing consistency out of it, then they're moving them. You know, I, I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Shook was the next guy I wanted to ask you about <laughs> the final yeah. guy on the list. Uh, but yeah, having a, having a solid season there and then, uh, then moving on up. Um, so, yeah, I mean the, the pitching, you know, the, the stats wise, you know, it doesn't, it's certainly not as impressive as the offensive guys. And, and as you mentioned, you know, it's going to be an offensive, you know, a slugging uh, powerful team and a big focus on that. Um, not as much on the pitching prospects, but you've certainly had a lot of success uh, with a lot of them over there. Yeah. And I would say actually the one that probably surprised me, not surprised, blew us away the most was Brandon Kennard. And as far as a guy who isn't in the top thirties, whatever list, whatever one you, you prefer, um, Kennard is a guy that probably needs to begin to be placed in those conversations because um, you know, he's a guy who uh, is really big into the analytics and you talk about, you know, for Carson Cross, the pitching coach, it's all about trying to get the guys to buy into it, uh, train them up on it, get them to, to dive deep into these, these uh, advanced systems that they have. 
and the advanced, you know, cameras, machines, whatever it might be. Um, Kanar is way ahead of that. Kanar is a guy that could probably train up all of us on what it is that he's diving into and what he's doing. Um, so a very brilliant kid. He was a guy too, that, uh, coming out of high school, pitched at Notre Dame, didn't work out all that well, went into uh, the JUCO, worked out great, then signed on to the University of Tampa. So he got a chance to play at the D2 level as well a little bit. But for him, you know, he told me that, you know, he had a chance and got a really good feel for baseball just in the country and where great baseball is played. And it's played everywhere. And he said that that really helped him uh, develop kind of an appreciation for what it is that he can do, what it means to be in baseball, and certainly what it means to be in professional baseball, having that opportunity to pitch at those three different levels, if you will, collegiately, and then to the pro rank. So he's a guy that probably is a little bit under the radar because of that, not a high draft pick, not a guy from a big D1 program, but has had experience across three different levels before the pros, just a very brilliant, very mature mind about the way that he goes about things. And his stuff plays, you know, he's a guy who is going to be at the top of the zone a lot with his fastball. He's going to get a lot of swings and misses, getting balls a little bit above bats and, and that kind of thing. But then also coming in with the breaking stuff and very good swing and miss breaking ball, sliders, curveballs, whatever it might be. But um, he's a guy that is kind of uh, in a lot of ways, one step ahead. Sometimes he's playing that chess game and he's winning it a lot with hitters just because I think he's, he's advanced mentally in, in a big way. So definitely a guy to keep an eye on. That's one guy that I wish we could have kept around longer because he was, he was fun to watch. The team was like 11 to two, I think in his starts this season. So wow. uh, that's not bad. <laughs> yeah. Big part of the success this season was certainly Kanar. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, definitely a guy to, to keep an eye on for sure. Uh, especially with, with those kind of numbers and, and that kind of analytics, um, that, that kind of knowledge. One final uh, thing, Greg, um, do you pay much attention at all to what's going on in the uh, Arizona Complex League? And if so, have you been pounding the table for Hedbert Perez to get the call up <laughs> to Carolina? Yes. Yes, very simply. Yes. No, I, so, I mean, it's it's different this year, you know, because I'm not sure how, you know, the complex league is, is treated a little bit differently than it had been in years past, you know, um, but uh, certainly looking at it now, just trying to get an idea of, uh, of what might be coming down the pipeline, you know, I'm used to seeing certainly when we used to be in advanced day, you know, I look at what Rocky Mountain was doing or Helena, you know, for that matter, originally when the Brewers first came here or um, the, the, the ACL teams and what have you. So there were a lot of names to keep an eye on. Now it's, you know, the, the two teams in the ACL. So it's a little more of a narrow focus, but uh, Hedbert Perez, not just in the ACL, but I mean, at spring training. I mean, how could you not think <laughs> like, what is this guy going to do playing in right field for the Mudcats and, you know, are we going to see uh, Monte Harrison like catches that put us on Sports Center with Perez out there making diving plays like he did in spring training? You know that kind of thing. So yeah, it's certainly we're hoping, hoping that we get a chance. If not this year, then just hope that he's still around at the lower levels next year. I mean, <laughs> he looks he looks like the real deal. I just read an article about him last night that Baseball America put yeah. out, and uh, that's a very very exciting ball player. Yeah, the, I mean, the Brewers already took Garrett Mitchell away from you guys. Like, exactly, you know, they, they didn't let right? you get, get a chance at him. <laughs> yeah. They got to give you Hedbert. Like, come on. That's all right. We, I mean, you know, we lost out on Garrett Mitchell, but we got uh, more than a, a half a season out of Joey Weimer, almost a half a season out of Joe Gray Jr. And for those two, I mean, that's – and Felix Valerio. I mean, you know, yeah. the list goes on and on. So we're, yeah. we're okay. Yeah, you got plenty of production. It may not be the yeah. name power, but it got the production. That's um, okay. Yeah, absolutely. Greg Young the voice of the Carolina Mudcats. Greg, thanks so much, man, for hopping on this week. Uh, any final thoughts, any, any final guys that, that you want to uh, tell us about or, or that fans should know about that we haven't talked about yet on this, on this podcast? Boy, I mean, we, we hit a lot of them again, the, the hitters are coming, you know, if, if you've been watching, you know, and following the, the system and, you know, you're uh, with Biloxi, I know that maybe that the numbers aren't, you know, exactly the same, certainly the record and everything in Wisconsin a little bit too, for that matter, but, they're coming. And uh, we got very lucky this season with the Budcats that we had a, a great mix of power and speed offensively. And uh, it, it, it's uh, those guys are, are on their way. You know, if you're a fan with of the Shuckers or the Timber Rattlers or obviously the sounds too, for that matter, you know, these guys are coming and um, it's uh, it's been fun. Uh, the system has been great. We've seen some really good ball players come through since uh, the Brewers came here in 2017 and just can't wait to see what's coming next because it, I know that the system doesn't get probably the accolades it deserves, for the players that they're developing, certainly future major leaguers and stars. Um, but uh, that's fine. You know, these guys can stay under the radar as, as much as, you know, 
they need to in order for us to continue to, to get good teams like this. And you're in, you're out. The Brewers are giving us some good ones and some great talent. And it's been a great, great system to be involved with and a, and a great team to be involved with. He is Greg Young, the voice of the Carolina Mudcats. Greg, thanks so much, man, uh, for hopping on this week and, and taking the time, man. It was very insightful, very, very great uh, stuff from you, man. Well, I'm, I'm glad that it, I didn't sound too bad. I hadn't finished the coffee yet this morning, so hopefully it wasn't uh, – it, was, uh, it was good enough. But thank you so much. This has been a blast. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. We'll, uh, we'll have to have you on again, get some more uh, updates uh, on the Carolina Mudcats, and uh, it's, it's going uh, to be, be fun, man. A lot of good players. A lot of good players come through the system, as you mentioned. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Um, we'll be back in next week, uh, perhaps with another look at a different uh, minor league affiliate of the Brewers. So uh, lots of good stuff going on as the Brewers are making their playoff push um, and they're promoting a lot of prospects throughout the system, a lot of moving and shuffling. Um, and Greg Young broke it down really well for all of us. So that'll do it for us this week. Uh, be sure to stay tuned again next week uh, for another episode of the cold brew podcast